Mel. And Kel. And this is It's Called Culture. Ever heard of it? Welcome back, guys, with another episode with Kel and Mel. <laughs> we're doing a late recording today, so we're kind of on the loopy side. Episode 50. Big 5-0. I just actually realized that our reviews and ratings are by country. So you can, we can only see the U.S. ones like when you're logged in on your phone on the app. So if somebody from Canada leaves us a review and rating, that's like a whole other site. It's like the Canadian version of the site and that they are all over there that we were not able to see unless I log into like our actual Apple podcast directory account. Are you telling me that we've actually gotten some reviews then? <laughs> no, no. Well, two more ratings and a review from Canada. It literally has like 200 countries listed there and you'd have to go click each one to see if you have reviews or ratings in any of those countries. I know we have a lot of listeners in Canada. We do. That's our second highest percentage wise. I'd say we probably have over 10% of our listeners from Canada. The majority is, of course, from the US, like 85%. And then the other 5% is made up of like 100 other countries. <laughs> so if you're in another country and you want to give us a bad review, that's fine. We will never see it. <laughs> but it probably still affects our rating though, right? Yeah. So don't do that. Just kidding. So, yeah. So, our social media roundup today, we have a few things. One was we posted an, it was an old clip from an older episode. I'm going to call it Soup Magic, where we were talking about like the magic that is making a pot of soup on Sunday and having it last for the entire week. Very much Streganona vibes. Great story. Love Streganona. She's Italian, right? Yeah. Nona's Italian. Do I know who this is? Like the old lady, the grandmother? No, not like Nona Pia on TikTok. Like, <laughs> right, who's <laughs> you don't know Strega Nona? No idea. It's a book that <laughs> while well, we already out, like it's a book you're already out. <laughs> it's a book, a kid's book. And it's like the old lady who makes a spaghetti pot and she like sings this little like chant over the spaghetti pot i think she's she's a witch but it's like it's just like an italian grandmother says this little spell over the spaghetti pot and it makes this like endless amount of spaghetti and then she goes out of town and like this guy anthony who i don't know what the hell why he's around but i don't know he's watching her house while she's gone i don't know she said whatever you do don't touch the spaghetti pot and he goes and he like does the little magic spell on the spaghetti pot, but he forgot to like blow three kisses at the end to make it stop. So the spaghetti just like kept coming and kept coming and it overflowed the whole pot and it overflowed the whole room and the house. And then it went into the village and just like the entire village got taken over by spaghetti. No, <laughs> no, I've never heard of this. You've never heard of this. Wow. Is this a book you read to your child? This was like a book that I read as a kid, and it's like it's very popular. Shreganona. I had Portuguese parents; they weren't reading me. <laughs> no, they weren't. It's the author Paula Tome. Any relation to Marissa Tome? Where was I going with this? So it gives me the soup magic conversation. Gives me Shreganona vibes because it's just like this endless amount of soup that's going to overtake the village. <laughs> oh man! Imagine 
pasta. They had to start eating it. Never ended. Yeah, so everyone in the village was like trying to eat the pasta up, and then his punishment when Stregonona returns from her little vacation, she she blew the three kisses and she stopped the spaghetti, but then he had to like eat his way out of the spaghetti mess. That's great. What would you rather have? Soup or pasta? Uh, I love pasta. Anyway, so I posted that clip from an older episode, and somebody said that their grandfather used to, instead of adding water, you know how you have to just keep adding water and a little salt or whatever to kind of keep the soup going as you eat it? He would add wine. So he'd like eat some soup, add a little wine. And it was like with a purpose, not just because he wanted the wine and the soup, but it was to just combat any microbial action that might be happening in the soup by Thursday. <laughs> Is that why my dad and my grandfather did it too? That's really smart though, because it does kill. Well, they do say liquor kills. That's why my dad says he never got COVID was because of all the, because of all his drinking. And I swear there's a there's a point to that. So the wine just killed all the germs. I thought it was brilliant. But like at what point, if you think that's the case, at what point do you just stop eating the soup? I can't eat leftovers other than like the next day. Like I'm good. Really? I'll eat I'll eat them for like a week. <laughs> Seven days or less ago, I will eat it. Wow. Yes. Is that not normal? I can just do like the next day, maybe even the day after, but then I'm good after that. Some stuff gets a little sketchy because I have one of those Samsung fridges that's like part of like a nationwide recall or situation that like it freezes up in my fridge. Like it, it like ices over and then like the motor just starts like going crazy and you have to like unplug it defrost the whole fridge same here i've done it twice i had like the blow dryer with freaking ice to melt ice because it doesn't freaking melt so i have one of those fridges so we intentionally keep it at like a higher temperature than you normally would keep a fridge just so it doesn't ice over as often (laughs) (laughs) and so i feel like some of my food is probably kind of sketchy like my milk goes bad way sooner than it should go bad like it goes bad before the date oh interesting Okay. So, you're a seven-dayer. It doesn't happen often because I married an American and we only cook enough food to eat that day. True. Yeah. So we don't often have leftovers that would last us for seven days. Like, that's very rare. But I would eat it. If something's seven days old and it's in the fridge, I'll eat it. I don't think I knew this about you. Really? Entire friendship. I did not know that you were a seven-day-old eater. Growing up, I hated leftovers because that was like a Portuguese family household is just an entire fridge of leftovers in the country crock Tupperware containers in the fridge. I think that's why where my hatred of leftovers stem from. So I think I've mentioned it before in the podcast uh, where my old babysitter was watching me and my brother and her grandkids and she would put all the leftovers from her grandkids and like what my brother didn't eat all together mixed in. And like me and my youngest granddaughter had to eat all the mixed in, like whatever they had for lunch that day that they didn't finish, like cereal, chow mein, and like hot dog, like cut up hot dogs that they didn't finish. Guess who ate the leftovers? Me and my youngest granddaughter. <laughs> That's like CPS worthy. I have a hatred for leftovers. Yeah, I don't blame you. That's a valid position on leftovers. My next 
item on social media roundup today is I posted some meme about the food niche where when I went there, I went to the monitoring and research center, which is right by Fruitnish Lake, which is like the caldera from the volcano, like the active volcano. So you're basically just sitting in the crater of the volcano. You walk through a room. It's like a little like museum type situation where they just talk about the area and the geology of it all. And then they show you a movie. You go into like another little room and there's like a 20 minute movie about the Fruitnish area volcanic activity. And it was pretty terrifying. Like, I'm watching this movie and I'm like, this is an active volcano. Like, these people live here and there's tremors. Like, they feel tremors daily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My aunt will let my mom know she feels one. Right. Like, it's it's a normal thing for them. Like, it's everyday thing. And when, when we go there, we obviously know all of this information because you're going there. You're cooking your food in the underground volcanic heat in whatever those things are called. Like, geysers or the hot springs i don't know what they're called the hole the hole the hole that has all the really hot boiling water in it and the steam that smells like farts yeah the sulfur smell they cook their food underground in there in those holes and whatever so like we know that but like when you actually sat and like got a documentary presented to you about it you were like oh shit like this thing could blow at any moment and like take out this whole area like these people are living directly in it. When I went, I didn't do like the documentary. Like I literally just went for the like, cooking. Like someone went there super early. Whoever in the family went there super early. Threw it in the hole, and then we showed up several hours later and we got it out of the hole and we ate. So I didn't spend like I didn't know about this whole like museum situation. It was interesting. So like just the screenshot that I had was just a picture that I took of one second of the video it was like the risk of living here is real and shouldn't be minimized they talked about the tremors every day and so whatever i posted some meme kind of funny video about that online and then somebody came and messaged us and said that i think their family was from foodnish and that when they visit like the soles of their shoes feel like they're melting like with just walking around town feels like the soles of your shoes are melting Oh, wow. From all the like volcanic heat underground. Yeah. And I'm like, that's insane. Like, that's so crazy. And even like the beaches in that area, like on that side of the island, if you go to like Herbita Kent, like it's like a warm beach water because that's where like, I think they're called fumaroles. Like there's like the underwater fumaroles. So there's like hot water like exiting there from the volcano. Oh, that's freaking scary. The most surprising thing that I wanted to talk about that she said was that there were these tales and I don't know, I couldn't really find anything. It's not like documented anywhere, just kind of like old tales passed down from her grandparents and whoever about people falling into the holes. Like way back when, like I think she said one of her family members had one like in their backyard. Like, they just like oh, that's our little volcanic hole in our backyard. It's like a sinkhole in your backyard. <laughs> right, right to the center of the earth with boiling water. Oh. She said like cows and people have historically fallen into these. All that's left of them is bones. Oh my like, God. Once they fall in. So if anybody has any experience or stories or has heard anything, because I did try, I didn't go too deep into it, but I tried to like kind of research a little bit if, 
of that. I think she said that they're mostly gated or kind of closed off now, but they weren't, they didn't used to be. Yeah, the dangers shouldn't be (laughs) minimized. And I just, I couldn't imagine being worried about a volcano just like erupting and like, see you later. And I'm sure there's like a lot of measurement techniques where they can tell if something's coming. But like, if it's so normalized that you're feeling tremors every day. My worry is like, well, you have enough time to like leave the island. You live on an island. You're not like living in, in like a state where you can just like drive and leave. You know, I'm not entirely sure how it works because when San George was having the seismic activity, I don't know, what was that a year ago, maybe they were just evacuating people like to a different village, like to a different side of the island. Oh, all right. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it wasn't like yeah. it was like, a, oh, this is going to wipe out the whole island if this thing erupts. Yeah. So I don't know how that works, but. Well, maybe like the scientists know what they're doing <laughs> and like they're looking at their numbers and and doing some more science and doing some more math and they realize like oh it won't be if it erupts it's not gonna be that bad maybe but even like yeah i as i as i say that though and i think about it it's like there's like one way around these islands so like if it takes out like the major roadway it's like where else are you going i don't know i don't like the fact that you just can't get into your car (laughs) that's uneasy to me like i want to be able to get into my car and leave if i have to We've talked about this before, but that just plays into the overall anxiety of the people that live there. Just living with that fear in your heart every day. Like, that's, a, that's, that's some heavy shit. So the last thing I will say about this before we move on to our culture topic is Kyler, our guest from an earlier episode who lives out in Lisbon, he responded to us when we posted that Ferdinand meme because he happened to have been at the earthquake museum in lisbon that same day and i didn't know there was such a thing first of all so apparently there was like a really big earthquake and that they were like you need to be prepared for the next one that hits lisbon it wasn't just like a museum to go and look it was like a preparatory thing like this is this is to prepare you for the next one and it looked like it was like a ride like he sent a video of him in it the room was shaking all about (laughs) it was bouncing up and down so they were like just preparing them for an earthquake. An earthquake museum. Yeah. But it had like a simulator yeah. in it, like a big simulator thing to simulate an earthquake. And he said, you, they time travel you, quote unquote, back to 1755 to relive the worst earthquake in European history and relive that trauma. Wow. Way to make your anxiety even fucking worse. I'm all set. I'm good. Well, I guess it's fine if we go because we don't live in Lisbon and we could just do it. (laughs) And he said it's like whatever they do in that simulator, it's like fire and destruction everywhere and a tsunami comes in afterwards. Oh, my God. So are we adding that to our list of places to visit? It is absolutely making my Lisbon itinerary. Today's culture topic is Spanglish. I love it because let's I'm just gonna put this out there now. I have not watched this movie. And when I told Melissa that I did not watch this movie, she was in shock. I was in shock because I thought everybody had heard of it and everybody had watched it. I guess I'll talk about the movie first and then a little bit of a conversation about Spanglish in general after that. But the movie itself, it was 2004, Adam Sandler, Tia Leone. And Paz Vega, 
which I thought was like a Mandela effect thing. Because if you had asked me who was in this movie, I would have said Penelope Cruz. I saw Paz Vega and I was like, wait, wait a minute, this is a different person than Penelope Cruz. And then I pulled up Paz Vega versus Penelope Cruz. And they are like the same person. Have you ever seen these two women together? I need to look it up now. When they do a side by side of them, I'm like, I don't know which one is which. It's like you and Danica. <laughs> We're laughing that off right now, but we'll get to that. Oh, it comes up right away as soon as I Google it. Oh, holy crap. Guys, Google it. <laughs> P-A-Z, like peace. Paj. They're definitely related, right? No. I didn't know they were two different people. Wow. I've been giving Penelope Cruz credit for this movie for 20 years in my mind. But anyways, that's not what I want. That's not what I wanted to talk about. That was just an observation. Her name is Flor in the movie. She's a Mexican immigrant and single mother. She chooses to immigrate to the U.S. She chose L.A. because it was 48 percent Hispanic. She works as a housekeeper for a well-off family, which is Adam Sandler and Tia Leone. They have their own daughter and Flor has her own daughter as well. Eventually, they all like move in together to ease the schedule for her and culture clash ensues. Now, I watched this movie probably back in 2004 when it came out and it was just another movie to me and I didn't appreciate like the immigrant component to it and like the culture clash component to it until I started watching it again just recently. One of the things that was funny right off the bat in the beginning of the movie when Flord introduces herself to this Americano woman, Tia Leone's character, she's, she's like, what's your name? And she said, Flor. And she's like, Flor? No, not Flor. Flor. And she's like trying to get her to like roll her R's and like they go back and forth. Flor. 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 So I struggle with rolling my R's. Rolling R's is like a really... Portuguese Spanish thing. I don't know if it's more Spanish and Portuguese because I struggle with rolling my R's. There's a lot of it in Portuguese. Yeah, no, yeah, because like my parents, I hear them do it and I'm like, I don't know. I, I can't, of course, leave it to me. <laughs> like I know if I try a couple of times, I finally can, but like not, I'm not gonna get it at the first shot. The other sound that they have just to kind of get into the sounds for a second. Portuguese is very much, there's a lot of LH sounds, like LHs together. And that's like a a sound that's not really that common in English, I feel like. Trabalho. Like the liu sound at the yeah. end, like L-H-O. Trabalho. Like Trabalho. Trabalho. I'm with the pressure. You're making me nervous. I feel like you're saying it like a Y and not like an LH. Traboy you. <laughs> All I hear is Traboy you. Well. So in English, conversely, the TH sound comes up a lot. And I don't think that Portuguese has a TH sound in it, at least that I can think of. And my dad is really bad at saying THs. Words that have a TH in them, he struggles with. Like Thursday. He'll say Thursday instead of Thursday. I think my parents can say Thursday. I think. 
pay attention next time because my dad has always struggled with th words. My parents still say it to me in Portuguese, so that's why I can't think of if they say it correctly or not in English. My dad's pretty good with his days. If anyone couldn't say it, it would be my mother. I just can't picture her saying it. (laughs) That was just something that crossed my mind the other day. I was like, I feel like Portuguese doesn't have TH words. They might, but nothing came to mind when I was trying to think of one. A couple other things from this movie Spanglish. Tia Leone's character in it as the American mother is infuriating. Like, I forgot how angry she makes you in this movie. Like, she's the worst human being on the planet. She buys her daughter a bunch of new clothes. Like she goes shopping, buys her a bunch of new clothes, comes home, gives it to her. The daughter gets all excited and she opens them all up and realizes that they're like two sizes too small for her on purpose. Like the mother purposefully bought them for her. She says, oh, well, this will encourage you to lose weight so you can fit into them. Oh, that's shitty, mom. And so she does this in front of Flor. Flor doesn't even speak any English. So she can't even like communicate anything, but she like sees what's going on. Flor takes all the clothes home, undoes the stitching, makes them larger. I could just picture like it, this just resonated so much with me because I could just picture like a little Portuguese woman in Vavao like going home and yeah, restitching, changing the buttons, moving the buttons over, like dropping the hem. Flor asks her daughter, who her daughter was like becoming more Americanized because she was younger she was going to school in america now right and so she was asking her daughter to help her say try it on in english so she she doesn't know how to speak any english at all but she asked her daughter how to say the phrase just try it on so she like went to the american daughter after she had fixed and hemmed all the clothes and was like just try it on and so she tries it on and like all fits and she was like crying she was so excited she saw that like the holes from where the buttons used to be so she knew that Flor had moved it and fixed it for her. So then that helps their relationship grow, like with Flor and the American daughter. But the American mom is a shit bag. The American mom's also like cheating on Adam Sandler, I think, throughout the whole movie. So like, I don't, it, it's a vibe. The other thing that I came across, this was actually, I'm going to credit the TikTok creator who said this. There was a girl, her handle was Good Job Metzli, M E T Z L I. She was just like talking about her take on the movie as a first gen, and she was explaining why it hit for her. And it was because towards the end, as Flor's daughter becomes more Americanized, her mother asks her, is that what you want for yourself to become someone very different than me? And that just like it just resonates differently, like hearing it now and talking about it and thinking about it now than, you know, whenever whenever I originally watched this movie like that just went right over my head. Yeah. Now I'm just like, oh, shit. It's exactly that. Like, we're growing up in a totally different world than our parents grew up. So, like, of course, we're going to be completely different from them. But, like, isn't that what they wanted? Like, they immigrated here to raise you differently. If they wanted to raise you as a Portuguese Azorian kid, then we would still be over there. You know what I mean? No, you're right. Of course, we're going to be different. We're living in a completely different time generationally and then also a completely different place but they want us to still uphold the same values and traditions and everything that they had from a different world, different time, a different world. That really hit me. That makes me really like emotional to think about. (laughs) I get emotional about everything, but oh man. Cause like, I'm just thinking about like my mom saying that to me. 
Right. Is that what you want for yourself to become someone very different from me? And it's like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, she's saying that as if like, you're like ashamed of like what your, what your mother is. And it's like, you're not, it's just, you are living a whole different life. It's sort of just the natural progression and how things evolve over generations. So you have to know that, yes, as much as you're changing from your parents' generation, your kid is going to change from your generation. And you have to be okay with that and know that going in, eyes wide open kind of situation and be like, okay, my kid's not going to love everything about the way that I was brought up or the way that I'm bringing her up and she's going to want to change things. So hopefully as long as everything is evolving for the better, then it's great. You don't want them to be just like you, right? Hey, you're doing a electronic detox from your child. Your mom never had to do that for you (laughs) because we had no electronics, really. Dude, I was raised by the television. Are you kidding me? (laughs) That's like the only electronic we had (laughs) and like a Super Nintendo. My ass was parked in front of that TV screen from morning till night. Absolutely. I asked over the weekend. Remember, we we were all together over the weekend and I asked our two other friends I'm like did your like parents play with you guys like did your mom play with you and they were kind of like yeah like my mom played with me and I was like my parents just like threw me and my brother in front of the tv (laughs) that was it if they detoxed us from the tv they would have to like play with us my mom did play with me a lot actually. So she was really good about that. But also there was so much time where like I was home all summer and I was just, she was working. So I wasn't being played with. I was just (laughs) thrown to my grandmother's house who the only toy she had for me was to make a foil paper ball out of the kitchen and throw that around in the yard. Like that was the. Appreciated that ball. Okay. Dude, I loved that foil paper ball. (laughs) And now, like, kids are just so, 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 so spoiled. Anyway, so that was kind of just the few things I want to talk about on the movie Spanglish. But then Spanglish, just in general, there's a lot more that you can read up on about. There's more Spanish people than Portuguese Americans. So Portuguese have our own version of that. Like, I don't know what we call it. Inglegees, like whatever we're calling our Portuguese English but there's not as much like research or like documentation that you can find on like the Portuguese English version. But I found the Spanglish information to be very, very, very similar to what we've experienced in immigrant communities and that sort of thing. And this TikTok creator who I could not find the video again for the life of me because I wanted to credit her, but she was just having a conversation about how Spanglish is portrayed in movies. Not in like the movie Spanglish, but in movies that have Spanish American characters in them versus how it actually is in real life. And she was saying it was such a difference. She's like, you can tell when there's no actual Spanish person in the writer's room and they're just a bunch of non-Spanish people trying to like make up this Spanglish. And she said they just do it in a way that is very much not how true Spanglish is spoken. And so she's like, you know, they would just kind of throw in like a an abuela and like they would just kind of throw in like these random Spanish words into English conversation, which is fine, but that's not really how it's done in context when you're actually in those communities and speaking Spanglish like organically. And I thought it was so interesting because I thought about it in Portuguese and I was like, no, it's not just like a hybrid of like, oh, I'm going to throw in like a couple Portuguese words and a couple English words and okay, there's my mix and that's my Portuguese English. It's like 
No, like the words themselves are new words and they're not correct in English or Portuguese. They're not correct in either language. No. That was so interesting to me. And I'm like, I'm sure it's the same. That's the same case in Spanish where you're like, you're making up entirely new phrases and words and things that are happening within those languages, which is very distinctly different than just combining true Spanish and true English. Like there, there's just new things happening in there as they merge together. Only by living it and living in those communities will that emerge. And as I started to research it, so I like pulled up kind of some information on Spanglish and it was talking about how like depending on where you are. So, you know, with all the Spanish speaking communities, let's say in America, all those communities like would do it differently. So like the Spanglish that you would hear in one community would be different sounding than the Spanglish you'd hear in a different community. And they're not necessarily like intelligible to each other. If you went to another Portuguese American community, they might be using completely different words than we were using in Fall River. We might not be able to be like, what are you guys even talking about? What does that even mean? That's your made up word. But like, we didn't make up that word. So we don't even know what you're talking about. It was just so fascinating to me. I'm just thinking too, because especially how the Azores and Lisbon already kind of already speak different Portuguese. It's just as easy as even like if someone from Lisbon is living here in Fall River, already there's a difference. It's so crazy how one language (laughs) can just like morph into so many different things. On this Spanglish, this is literally just like the Wikipedia page for Spanglish, you know, you know, you know, I do my thing, right? I scrolled down and it had just like examples. It had like a whole chart of examples of what's considered a Spanglish word versus what it's supposed to mean in English versus like what the standard Spanish word would have been like if you if you directly translated that English word. And I was reading through this list and I'm like, oh, my God, they do things exactly like us. The English word carpet, they have a Spanglish word column, carpeta. But then carpeta really means folder in Spanish. <laughs> but they'll say carpeta for carpet. That's exactly <laughs> what we're doing. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh, my God. Exactly us. Oh, my God. We are all like, we're just all freaking related. <laughs> I'm trying to think how I would say carpet in Portuguese. Tapet. But like, is that a made up word? I don't know. Now I question everything now, like every word that I think is a real Portuguese word. Like I always I go straight to my Google Translate and I throw it in there and it's like nine times out of 10. It's like, nope, we made that up. Over the weekend, my mom made, I guess in English, it's called tripe. But in Portuguese, it's called vada. So I posted like a poll of who eats it, who doesn't, or like, oh, thinks it's gross on our Instagram. But I always Google the track, like the spelling to obviously make sure I get the spelling right. I didn't realize I've been saying brada, but it's the brada. It's like with a de in front of it. Yeah, it's brada. No, I've been saying brada, and no one's corrected me. <laughs> Not a single one of my parents corrected me on that. So you knew it was the brada too. It doesn't sound like. Yes, but if you had asked me what's tripe in Portuguese, I would have said tripish. What the hell's tripish? Good question. <laughs> Isn't tripish like intestines? Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, Google told me that it's tripe. What's tripish versus brada? Oh, well, yeah, no, it's the stomach because that's what brada, yeah, brada is like the cow stomach. 
So maybe is brother the stomach and tripish is like the intestines? Or do they use that kind of interchangeably? It says the first and second divisions of the stomach of a ruminant, especially an oxen, sheep, or a goat, used as food. So I get tripe is the stomach of a pig, cow, or ox, which is eaten as food. Bowels, guts, innards, entrails. Sounds amazing. <laughs> Sounds great. So they do the same thing that we do to words. So like the English to mop, to like to mop something. The Spanglish is like mapiar, and they really mapiar means to map something. Okay. Not to mop something. And then like to park, they say parkyar, which is not a word, but they just like conjugated it in the Spanish way, which is exactly what we do in Portuguese. I think when I say I'm going to park, I just say if I don't park. I say if we impancar what's impancar is that the right one <laughs> wow we really don't know our portuguese is atrocious impancar right yeah it, it's impancar call. and mop mop mm, good that's a good one a mapa <laughs> pretty much maybe impancar is not a word because this says estacionar o car yeah that just doesn't sound right though either is that the proper way? I don't know if it's real or not. My whole life is a lie. <laughs> oh, so then like those were like certain types of words, but then they also have these like other examples of what they're calling like loan words, making new words by pronouncing an English word Spanish style. And then they have like examples on here like like truck, troca. Troca sounds to me like if I troca, I'm gonna change the channel. Right, that, and I don't know if that's what it means in Spanish, but they say that as truck. Market is on here, marqueta. In Spanglish? Is that what they said? They're saying marqueta in, in Spanglish, which is what we say. So I'm so glad that like we're not the only ones. To have lunch, they say lonchar. None of these are actual words. To check, chacar. To scan, escanear. Looking at Spanish. I like I'm absolutely mispronouncing all of this. I'm just pronouncing them the way I would pronounce them in Portuguese. <laughs> but it's just funny that they just make up words like we do. Gang, ganga. <laughs> Insurance, escuranza. I'm like, I feel like that's like what we say. This goes on. This is a very like detailed, long Wikipedia article about all of this. And it, and it goes on to just talk about all the ways that this is used in all the ways that it merges together and how it is associated with people's identities and then it talks about like arts and culture and who where we've seen it in culture so like in music people who sing in spanglish enrique iglesias pitbull ricky martin sean paul shakira they all use variations of like english and spanish intermixed in their music which is really cool well, all of them <laughs> I know, like that was like a hot list, right? Yeah. We're going to head into our nostalgia topic, which is going to be what we promised you last week. We talked a little bit about 90s con leading up to it. And now we're going to give you the debrief. We're going to give you the deets because we went this past weekend to 90s con 2023. Hartford, Connecticut. Convention Center. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, so where do we even begin with the 90s con? <laughs> we were hot to trot on going to see Danica McKellar because we found out she was Portuguese. She was your doppelganger. I was Fred Savage's doppelganger. So we were like, we got to go and like have this conversation. That was our first stop was Danica. And her mom was there at the table, like at her booth. So it was kind of like you'd walk by her mom before you got to her. So when it was our turn to walk by her mom, we used that as our opportunity to be like, hey, (laughs) (laughs) heard you might be from the Azores. (laughs) Her family is, in fact, from the Azores and Madeira. But she was like fourth generation. Like, so Danica's mom, I think, was already fourth generation. Yeah, that's what she said. And we asked her what island from the Azores. She said Fayal. She has never visited. So we we got into like a full-blown 20-minute conversation with her. <laughs> People had to like walk around us to go and meet Danica because we were just like, we're just chatting with your mom over here. Just give us a minute. We had already paid for our like photo. And like we were still just still talking to the mom. <laughs> The mom was so sweet. Awesome. She was just a gem. She was like genuinely happy. I think that somebody was acknowledging her because <laughs> everyone was just like walking right past her, like just waiting to talk to Danica, of course. Some people might have not even known that it was her mom. Right. Because a lot of them had like just people at their booths that weren't necessarily their parents. Right. We were just having a conversation with her. So she's never visited the Azores. She said she would love to go. She heard really nice things about it. That it was super tropical. It was like Hawaii. They live out in California. But she did mention that she had some relative that she had like lost touch with and hasn't been able to regain connection with, but they were from New Bedford. It's probably one of you listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's someone maybe it's someone I'm related to since you know me and her look alike. And so the other interesting thing that she said, because we were asking her if she spoke Portuguese, and she said that her family purposefully did not teach her Portuguese. I have to assume that the early immigrants wanted to assimilate as much as possible. Later immigrants, I think, often found themselves in communities where you didn't need to assimilate, but they didn't teach her Portuguese. They wanted her to speak English and to learn English and to assimilate. But I think some of her older siblings possibly knew Portuguese, and she said they would like use it against her, as siblings do, where you're just like, we're going to talk about our little sister in Portuguese because she doesn't know what we're (laughs) saying kind of deal. And so she was she was so cute when she was explaining all this to us. It was it was adorable. She was so cute. She even thought we were sisters. I think maybe we said where we were from or something. And you had originally told her where you were originally from. Oh, because you guys have a great dynamic together. And then we're like, boom, we have a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We did give her our podcast card and told her she was welcome on the show anytime. Anytime. She put it in her purse. It was very cute. Very cute. She was so nice. So then we moved along the booth after we finished talking to her. And we spotted the photograph of Fred Savage and Danica, the exact photograph that we pulled up on our podcast last week when we realized that those were our two doppelgangers. And that was sitting there all eight by 10 of it. (laughs) And we were like, I got to buy it. I got to have it. So we bought it. Danica autographed it to It's Called Culture. (laughs) We probably came out a little too strong for her. We're like, Yo, we are BFFs with your mom. We just had a 20-minute conversation with your mom back there. We came in hot. I think I was assuming she was more 
Portuguese or connected to her Portuguese heritage than she was. So she had never been, but she had heard of the islands and she made conversation with us about it. It was, it was great. She was nice, but two girls just coming at you and being like, we heard you're Portuguese. <laughs> we just talked to your mom. <laughs> She's going and like, uh, okay, well, what do you want me to sign your uh, picture with? You know what I mean? And then we threw her all off because she, she was like, what do you want me to write on this picture? And we're like, right, it's called culture on it. And she was like, so you don't want me to sign it like with my name? And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> still, you can still put your name on it, but just also put our name on it. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. So a little confusion. So that didn't help the situation. No, but she was sweet. And you got your picture, your side by side photo with her, your little twin. That was wonderful. And then we took our own side by side photo of us holding our autographed Fred and Danica photo, Winnie and Kevin photo. I want to see where we're at with um, if people think I look like her or not. Oh, right. Because I added a poll to it. 62%. Yes. It's even more than that because of the way that I broke up the options. So, yes, you guys look like twins. No, you don't. Or the third option was DNA test. They must be Premish. And so there's an extra 14% under DNA test. They must be Premish. So really you have 76% think that you guys look alike and 24% say no. And she did look at it. (laughs) We can see who has seen the story and we do know that she has seen it. However, she did not vote. (laughs) No. (laughs) It's okay though. I'm sure she's busy just coming back from 90s con. Or she is even more horrified by us. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the case. <laughs> but actually, my very favorite moment of that whole situation was that right after we finished with Danica, we walked away from her booth and we were not five steps away from her booth when some random passerby came by and was like, hey, you look just like Danica. That was awesome. Kelly was just like, I know. I know. I'm aware. I did tell the mom that when I was a kid, everyone used to call me Winnie. But I didn't tell didn't tell Danica. We were just too... She knew. I think that's why she was so like caught off guard. Because she was just like, oh my God, a clone is here of me. And I don't know what to do with myself. She was just looking at herself reincarnated. Do you think that's what it was? (laughs) I think that's what it was. She was like in shock. She wasn't expecting to see her long lost sister. (laughs) All right. So that's Danica. We also told you guys we wanted to hit up Say by the Bell, which we did. The first thing that we're going to tell you is when Mario Lopez walked in that building, you knew Mario Lopez was in that building. Wow. What a babe. (laughs) (laughs) Babe central. He's just as gorgeous as he is on TV in real life. More, more gorgeous. It's just unreal. How old did we say when we Googled it? 49. He did not look a day over 21. Absolutely not. Gorgeous. Not a wrinkle in sight. His hair was like, it looked like a caricature of hair. Like it was just not a single strand out of place. He was very Hollywood in that regard. He was so put together and he just had like a glow about him that you could just sense from across the room. Like you knew Mario was near. Oh, the line that he had, though, we ended up taking photos. So we got to meet them through there. But the line was insane for Mario. 
Yes. I don't think I would not have waited in that for an individual meet and greet with him. No. So we even planned out his night because we were like, he's definitely not staying in Hartford. I were like, he's definitely going to New York and coming back. <laughs> and he did, right? Like, did it, was he at like a restaurant in New York like later that evening? Yeah. And then he was going to be on like Good Morning America on Monday. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, he's too Hollywood. As soon as we saw his presence, we were like, no, we like, he ain't getting a business card. Like <laughs> he's out of our league. But who was not out of our league was Mark Paul Gosselier, who I have lovingly decided to only call MPG from now on. <laughs> he had a black eye for some reason. He did. Do you know that? Like I've been constantly like been reading a bunch of like ninety con updates and stories about like over the weekend, and I've been waiting to see if the black eye pops up. Oh, like if somebody comments on his black eye. I don't know what happened. Like he had said he was just filming movies or had been filming something for six months down in Atlanta. So I don't know if like something happened on set, some stunt gone wrong or something. I, I don't know. But he has, he had like a little black eye going, but he still looked very good. Very good. <laughs> very good. It's Zach Morris. I know, but when I look at him now like it just it doesn't seem like it he's like completely different from that character and then elizabeth berkeley also was there and then they all did a panel so we did like a meet it wasn't a meet and greet it was a photo op a group photo op with them which we had like all of 40 seconds in a room with them in and out i did use those 40 seconds wisely though because i handed mark paul gosler i handed mpg zach morris my business card for this podcast it was so funny how it went down they were like ushering us out and i was like we need you on our podcast i was about four inches from his face and he was like okay they were cycling people through so he was just standing there in a photo op so like he has nowhere to put this card that i just handed him so i said put it in your pocket and he said okay and then i just walked away and so if you're listening (laughs) we need you on this podcast to talk about your heritage and your culture and your background and the experience of growing up with parents who are immigrants. I will be reaching out to him separately about this. But anyways, and then Elizabeth Berkeley was super sweet in the in the yeah. photo op as well. And then they did a panel, they had like an hour long panel where they got interviewed. They kind of the three of them sat on a couch together and got interviewed in like a big auditorium and we sat and watched that and that was really cool. Elizabeth Berkeley was just you could just tell she was just genuine and she was sweet and kind. And I'm like, oh, I was just like, what a gem. Loved her. MPG, Zach Morris, was just like the realist. Like he was just not putting on any fronts, not putting on a show at all. He was just up there, just like, what do you want to talk about? Like he was just sarcastic and just his own self. Like he, he was not performing at all. He was just like, old. He was raw. He just was like, this is me this is what you get in <laughs> like at one point the interviewer asked some question and then mario was like that's a really good question and elizabeth said yes that is a really good question and then mpg said that's the worst question i've ever heard in my entire life <laughs> and not he wasn't doing it to be an ass he's just he's just kind of real and funny but mario felt like he was definitely He's a performer. He's he's prof- got that professional stage presence. So like he did feel like he was at work 
a little bit. Yeah, that's the vibe I was getting from him, like especially watching him on the panel. But also he looked nervous. Like he had like a, a shaky leg going. I think I leaned over to you. I was like, I think he's nervous because I, I do like that shaky leg thing too when I'm anxious. Yeah, like there was some kind of like nerves up there just in general. And Elizabeth was also carrying the boys like there was like questions coming out. And like when the boys didn't know what to say, like she would jump in and she would just start going and answering the question. And she'd be like kind of like looking left and right. Like, are either of you two going to jump in and help me? And like they would just be like, you got it, babe. Like (laughs) (laughs) she carried them through some of those questions. I just wanted to, like, maybe Mario with being the presence that he has and everything that he's on and, like, you know, he listed all his stuff that he he's doing and still and going to work on. Do you think he was just more nervous with, like, watching with what he has to say? Not that he would say anything bad anyways, but... Well, he did make that awkward comment when somebody from the audience stood up and asked a question about, like, what would be the best parenting advice you would give? Because I know all of you have children or kids who have various ages. And like, what, what parenting advice would you give to me or something like that? Right. Mario started. And I don't even think the other two got to answer because his answer was so like, OK, we're done with that question after he finished. But he, he just like started going off. And then somehow it turned into like him talking about how he was a dictator and that his house was not a democracy. And Fidel Castro came up and it was like, yeah, it was a whole thing. It was a vibe. They pretty much shit can that question <laughs> right after he finished. Well, she did ask for a parenting tip. <laughs> you could have given me a million dollars to guess what was going to come out of their mouth. And I would have never stumbled upon Fidel Castro as parenting advice. I would never compare a dictator to parenting a child. It was it was odd. Like it almost was one of those things that like, you know, he went home that night and was like, damn it i shouldn't have said that (laughs) it was a miss i think but he was just very focused too on like talking about like dangers like social media with having kids as well he answered a lot of like family oriented questions almost he seemed like he loved talking about his his mom and his kids and all kinds of stuff so that was he he was he was very nice i just thought the fidel castro was like the one where you're like (laughs) "Ooh, stars they're just like us sometimes they fuck up an interview too I'm trying to think of like interesting things that came out of the panel. And there was something that MPG said that was funny. And it was talking about how they filmed a lot of the show on like a really weird schedule because they said they had a Saturday morning slot for the show and they filmed for a long time before the show got syndicated. So like they weren't popular as they were filming the show. It was only later when they were syndicated and started to run, you know, reruns of all the, the shows that they actually became popular and that the show became what it what we know it as but it wasn't like that like when they were actually filming it so like they didn't have that stardom factor as they were going through filming the other thing with it was like there were so many like iterations like they had that i don't know what it was called it was called good morning this bliss or something it was like the middle school version of the show and then they of course had the high school say by the bell and they went on to do like college years and whatnot but mpg was talking about how like nobody gave a shit about like the plot holes in the show. I remember going Good Morning Miss Bliss and I never thought of that. He was like, people love this show. Like they they loved it and nobody seemed to give a damn that these kids went to middle school in Indiana and then they're all the next year, all of them are in California in high school. 
the, the same kids, like the whole neighborhood packed up and moved to California. And like there was all kinds of plot holes like that in the storyline, because he also said that they never knew how they were going to get picked up. Like it was never like, a hey, we're going to run for a whole season. You know, we have 22 episodes and then we're going to do a new season. And like the writing was never like that. It was like, hey, we got picked up for seven episodes and they would go do seven and then they'd be like off they'd go off for a while on break and then they'd be like all right we're gonna do like uh six more and like or whatever it was like it was not consistent and they never knew like what was coming down the pipeline so it was the show was choppy and and if you looked at the storyline and plot holes and you'd be like wait that season like where the hell was kelly and jesse like they weren't even in that season like what if you notice it too i feel like now that i think about that that's like i feel like that's why kelly was kind of always in and out with that when they were together, they definitely were together, but there was a lot of times where they weren't together. And he also said the filming would be out of order too. He mentioned that they had a couple of rap parties because every time they filmed, like for a few episodes, they thought it was like the end of it. <laughs> yeah, they would have a rap party like every seven episodes. Yeah. They would say goodbye to each other like they were never going to see each other again in their lives. And then yeah. the show just like kept going and going. So I just thought that was all really interesting can't wait to get mpg on this pod i would love it i really enjoyed when they talked about like their time on saved by the bell like all the other stuff like the parenting the social media like whatever that that stuff's fine but like i loved like just it just takes you back as you're talking about the show i don't know that they explicitly said this or they did talk a little bit about like who was your first kiss or something like that or your on-screen kiss or something but like they were all like teens they were growing up together they were all the same age they were all dating each other at some point, like offset, off screen. So that was interesting too. But it was really cool to watch that. Who would have thought, though, at our age, whatever age it was that we were watching Saved by the Bell, we were obviously really young. Who would have thought oh, so many years later, many, many years later, <laughs> we would get to meet them? You know, as I was standing in that photo op and rubbing my hand along, Zach Morris is back. I was like, wow, my life has come full circle here. Like I used to watch this guy as I would eat my cereal in the morning before school. It's complete. Your life's complete. It's complete. And now he's got my podcast card in his jeans pocket on the floor of his house somewhere. Is that moment up there with you giving birth? (laughs) (laughs) Is it like your wedding birth? Zach Morris. Okay. I don't know what you know about birth, but it definitely is not anywhere near the top of anybody's scale. (laughs) It's actually, it's a low point in your life. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So before we get too far off course, we're going to go into Full House because that was another big cast that was there. They did a panel. There was Dave Coulier, Jody Sweeten. Andrea Barber and Candace Cameron. So Stephanie, Uncle Joey, Kimmy Gibbler, and DJ Tanner. And they they gelled really well together. Like they were all like on the same couch and they were just kind of like their whole vibe was very fun, funny, joking around. Like they were they were pretty good. Despite us knowing that Jody and Candace have a little falling out. Yeah. Candace was quiet. She didn't really say much. We came in late to that panel, but for the time that we were there, Candace did not say much at all. No. But but just like the vibes in general, like they all just seemed like they were 
less nervous and just kind of more like like they hang out all the time kind of vibe. You know what I mean? Whereas like the Say by the Bell cast seemed like they were a little more nervous, like they don't see each other as often or anything like that. Well, because there was that one question too at Say by the Bell. They were like, oh, are you guys in a group text message? Elizabeth was looking at the both of them <laughs> and she was like, well, like, we do text when like things come up or like she answered it without really answering it. Like she didn't say yes or no. But she did say like they still do obviously keep in contact. She's very close still with like with Kelly and like Lisa. <laughs> I will never use real names, sorry. But at least like we know with the full house that they're still they're like in a well, they were in a group tag. Dave Coulier was like he was really funny. Like he must have done stand up comedy or something early in his career because he was like very comfortable on stage and very funny, but he has an overuse of fart jokes. Maybe it's a crutch, maybe it's a nerves thing, but fart jokes, too many, crossed the line, like took a joke that was like funny and then just like took it too far. There was like an ASL interpreter doing sign language for the panel presentation. And at some point they had to like swap out the the interpreter and a new interpreter came up. And then I don't even know how it started, but Dave somehow realized that if he made a fart noise that the ASL interpreter had to make a fart sign and the fart sign was kind of funny and then he just kept doing it he did like a small fart noise to see if it was a different if it was a different sign andrea roberts asked him like to do his like celebrity fart noises and i already forgot what celebrity he chose to do but like it was like hey this is how this celebrity would fart it just it went on a little bit too long (laughs) (laughs) it was a little bit too much and then it was just like farts in every aspect of the conversation. Like they were talking about like something about like the full house set. And then he was talking about how he would fart in front of the Olsen twins and that it stunted their growth. <laughs> that was funny. One, yeah. Maybe they would be a little bit bigger today if he hadn't farted so much in front of them. And I'm like, oh, my God, he just didn't know when to quit with the farts. But all in all, they seemed cool. They seemed to gel really well. Yeah. They did mention like Bob Saget, obviously. They mentioned like a memory too, one of their favorite memories. Obviously, I'm sure they could go on and talk about Bob Saget for hours, but they did mention that they would love to do a full house reboot so they can honor his memory. He mentioned that like it could be like a friend style where they could just like sit on the couch. <laughs> I'm like, I'm down for it. That was cute. They all went and did their little Bob memories. So they miss him a lot. I think they were all pretty close with him in particular just a a few more notes of some people that we saw there and then we'll go into mental health segment the hocus pocus cast was there we stopped and saw omri katz who played max on hocus pocus it was so awesome he was so cute he had nobody in his line whatsoever and we were like we have to go and give this guy some love so we went over we paid our little 40 50 dollars whatever the hell we gave him We talked to him. We took a picture with him. He was super cute. We told him about our podcast. (laughs) Oh, God, the way I approach these people is so awkward because I'm like, hey, I heard you might have immigrant parents, too. (laughs) Okay, so can we like take it back for a quick second? Yeah. Look them up (laughs) to see what his heritage was. We did. We did look him up. Four seconds before we went over to him, because I was like, that name sounds like it has an immigrant heritage there. Right. So it was 
uh, Israeli Jewish immigrants, I believe. So he said, yes, I do share that experience. And then we told him about our podcast and where we were from. And he was like, that sounds really cool. I'll check it out. He took the card. He put it in a safe spot. He said, I'm going to listen to some episodes and then I'll see if I got something, I, a story I want to share with you guys. And I was like, oh, you are just a gem. He was so cute. He was awesome. He was adorable. Steve Burns was there. I know we talked about him. This is Steve from Blue's Clues. We talked (laughs) about him at length in our last episode. So we're not going to beat that horse here. But we're just going to say that he was there. He had a huge line in the morning when we walked by and saw him. So we're like, we're not waiting in that. And then at some point later in the day, he had no line. And we went up to see him and he was about to leave for like a 15 minute break. So they gave us like a little like card that we could come back and be first in line in 15 minutes. We were about to meet him. But then just like that extra 15 minutes to think about it. I was like, what am I going to do with like a picture with me and Steve Burns? Like, I was like, I can't post that on the internet. Right. People are right. Be like, who is that? And I'm gonna be like, that's Steve from Blue's Clues. And they're gonna be like, why? Why Why do you have that picture? I just can't. I can't see myself posting this photo anywhere proudly. So I'm just going to save my money. And it's really sad, but we decided we made an executive decision not to go and meet Steve Burns. We had the opportunity to do it, but we did not. We did not. But there were so many other people that were there waiting to take a picture with him. And there were so many people dressed up as Steve. As Blue's Clues, so he wasn't missing out. He wasn't missing us. (laughs) He was not. And I think had he not taken that break, we would have met him because we were ready to go and meet him. We were walking into his line. But it was just, I had like second thoughts. Can't post that picture. (laughs) He needed like a blue with him or something. He just, like I needed to not be 35 and he needed to not be however old he is, 55. I don't know. He left us to go to college. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So the very last person that we saw was Kel Mitchell, who we did see last year. We told you we chugged an orange soda with him last year. He was there again. He had such good vibes last year. And like you could tell he brought those same vibes this year. So you were just like, you just want to meet him again. Like you just want to hang with him. Like you get to the front of his line. He pumps up some tunes. He starts dancing with you. Like it's just he's just a good time. Every single person. Every single person. He's just like good vibes all around. At some point during the day, there was like an announcement over the loudspeaker at 90s Con that was like, Kenan Thompson has entered the building. Attention, Kenan Thompson has entered the building. And like Kenan Thompson was not on the attendee list for 90s Con. Surprise guest. And I think he went to the All That panel, which we missed, but they had an All That panel. And Keenan and Cal were there, and I'm sure they were talking and promoting Good Burger 2, which they had just announced on Jimmy Fallon like the night before. I did watch the video of that panel, and they surprised people on that. They surprised the guests that were at that panel. So he didn't like come out at first. Oh. Uh, it was Cal, Mary Beth, and Danny. Danny Tamborelli. Yep. It was just them. And then. I think like a good 20 minutes in is when he, uh, he announced Keenan. Oh, interesting. So we will have to watch Good Burger 2 when it comes out. I feel like I need to watch the old one. We'll have to do a rewatch first just to like get ourselves up to speed. So we didn't, I didn't get to see Keenan, but he was there. 
All right. Mental health. So the cool thing about social media and TikToks and all that is the comments of the community that you kind of create there. So on my own personal TikTok account, I had posted sort of a similar take to our last mental health segment from our previous episode, episode 49, talking about that spectrum of well to unwell and how the convergence of like the two ends of the, the wellness spectrum. It got a decent amount of views and people started commenting on it. And there was a lot of good comments and people agreeing and all of that sort of thing. And the the good thing about it is people bring up things that you never thought of, or they just kind of say things differently or say things in a way that you're like, it just something clicks for you or you're like, oh my God, that really resonates. And I just like to share those things with you instead of just gatekeeping them all for myself. So a couple of the things, and and it's people are still commenting on it now. It was actually kind of popping off a little bit right before we started to record this again, even though it's a week old. So I just had pulled out a few things and maybe next week I can talk about some more if there's other good stuff that comes up out of there. But one of the things that people were saying was that they were using the term unmasking, which I don't know if you've ever heard of that term. We mask ourselves typically. And then like unmasking is like just kind of being who you truly are and not performing. It's kind of like being authentic versus being performative. And we spend so much of our lives in this like masked state or this performative state. It's just kind of crazy that when you unmask, it like feels so good because you're just like, oh shit, like I've been pretending really to like be this other way. And now this is like how I really, really am or how I really feel. And I don't have to, I'm not putting anything on for anybody. I'm just like being authentic, being myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And masking is exhausting. It exhausts you from having to mask. And people do it their whole lives. People do it like 24 hours a day. Some people are masked. And a lot of times it's like masking like neurodivergent symptoms. So if you have like, um, I don't know, ADHD or OCD, or you have some kind of neurodivergence, then you're kind of mass, you're you're taught to kind of like, okay, I need to act normal in society. And to do that, I have to mask these symptoms that I have. So I just kind of like pretend I'm normal, but really it's exhausting to pretend I'm normal because I'm really covering up all these like anxieties and these things that are kind of going on beneath the surface. So that was just a cool take to just be like, wow, that whole spectrum of unwell to well and how you look and feel at different ends of that spectrum. It's really just kind of the result of unmasking, which is pretty neat. There's a lot of other ones here, but we're kind of running out of time in this episode. So I might cover them in upcoming weeks and I'll let you do your mental health segment now. Mine is basically the 21 day gratitude challenge. So I listen to the Chelsea Handler podcast and she's got like an advice, the advice podcast will call in and she always talks about how she does this. And apparently after the 21 days, it just changes your like outlook in life. So I got myself a little gratitude journal and this episode drops on the 28th next Tuesday. So on April 1st is when I'm going to start it. It's supposed to be the first thing you do in the morning, write down three things you're grateful for. It can be like anything, like health, your family, friends, work, <laughs> whatever it is, whatever it is that you're grateful. MPG. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and after 21 days, it's supposed to like change your whole outlook on life. So that is what I'm going to do. And I welcome anybody to join with me if they want to do it. Plan to start at April 1st. Just figure it out. Start at first of the month. Nice and clean. And by April 21st, you will be a new woman. 
see. <laughs> <laughs> and make you realize like what you're what you should be thankful for and what you have in life. You know, like you should be grateful for what you have. And I think we all have a hard time, especially with I don't know, with you seeing being people on social media and, you know, people going on these amazing trips and I don't know, whatever that whatever it is that they have great in life, you should be grateful for what you have. So oh, we'll see. Simple as that. I'm gonna try it. I don't know if it'll be the first thing I do in the morning because, like, I need to go pee and I need to bring the dog to go pee. <laughs> do you get on your phone first thing in the morning? I do. Me too. It's like the it's like it's like how I wake up. It's yeah. how I like adjust my eyes to like the world. I just like okay, I go on my phone and I until I'm like okay, I'm awake and then I get up. Yeah. Oh, I know. Because sometimes when I wake up, I have messages from you at like six thirty in the morning. Not all the time. Not all the time. That's because I'm waking up to messages from my husband at four in the morning. Yeah. Which is insane. I know, but they say it's like obviously not. It's not good to be. That's terrible. Oh, it's terrible. I think you're in like a a good state in the morning, and you just like fuck it up by immediately going to the phone. I I think they say too, like what I've read in the past, even at night, it should be like two hours before, like not being on your phone but i'm not i'm like at the very second as i go to sleep i'm falling asleep on that thing yeah that's another thing like i've been trying to purge my kid from screen time and i need to purge myself from screen time but it's hard because of now this is like what i do so (laughs) well you guys should also purge from screen time but not before you rate our podcast (laughs) right (laughs) get on your little phone Just scroll down to the bottom of our pod page on whichever platform you're using to listen to us. Hit the little five-star button and then write a review. Maybe our podcast can land on your gratitude journal. Maybe you're grateful for us. Maybe you are. And if you are, please let us know. It makes us feel really good. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys.